Hello and welcome to the Athletics Dallas Mavericks podcast, 77 Minutes in Heaven. I am one of your hosts, Dave DeFore, joined by my buddy and the Athletics Dallas Mavericks beat writer, Tim Cato. What is up, Tim? This is the part of the show, Tim. You're new to this. This is part of the show where we pretend that we didn't just spend the last 30 minutes talking. Dave, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I, this is I that part. Think... So how was how was your <laughs> Christmas? How was New Year's? Did you do anything fun? I I stayed fairly low-key. There was actually a, a Mavericks road trip that I did not go on right after Christmas. Uh, saved myself from some uh, frantic holiday travel, which which I think is is objectively the worst travel. Um, so I, I just stayed close to home and, and went and saw my folks and came back and they've got a road trip now. So, uh, we're, we're in, uh, Dallas for another week and a half now, which is a nice, uh, nice long stretch of time to, uh, to stay in Dallas, uh, for any traveling beat writer during the season. Yeah. And, and you grew up in Dallas, right? Like you're born and raised. Yeah. I grew up a Mavs fan. Actually, it's, it's, uh, it's all kind of led to this job, uh, over, over the years, but, uh, I grew up in, in Plano, which, uh, for international Mavs fans who probably don't know the, uh, the Dallas Metroplex area is a, is a suburb about maybe 45 minutes North. So, so I grew up there. I came into my Mavericks fandom on my own. I just decided, uh, in middle school that the basketball was going to be a sport I cared about and, Ended up watching Dirk and and becoming a fan. I think of that uh, that I want to say that two the 2008 team first. Josh Howard was still there and Jason yeah. Terry and I think they traded for uh, Jason Kidd uh, right as I started paying attention. Um, so so obviously it led to the 2011 finals uh, and, and and the championship there, which helped solidify it. Even though I skated through the worst of the the, the 06 finals that they lost and you know the 07 upset. So. You know, I had a uh, I had a rather good time as a fan to be uh, all things considered. Definitely, definitely missed out on on, on the worst moments. But uh, but but here I am, you know, went through journalism and, and, and ultimately ended up here where it's uh, uh, not not quite as much of a fandom, I would say, for for the team. It's it's hard to when you're when you're I guess you're on the inside and, and you see the business and uh, right. of it all. But um, but but, you know, I, I think it's it's still there in some capacity or maybe maybe it's dormant just waiting for me to to go get another job so I can, uh, kind of, uh, you get back into it. But, but yeah, no, that's, that's, that's how I, uh, that's how I ended up here. I, I, I would say the, the, the whole journey and the story. Well, you know, here's the one thing that I'll, that I'll say, because there's plenty of guys that, that work a beat that grew up, you know, where they're working the beat grew up as a fan of the team that they're covering or teams that they're covering. This is not, you know, uh, an uncommon phenomenon especially this decade in the 2010s right. it's absolutely yeah. i mean look at how many guys have come from team blogs to go on i mean ethan strauss you know was with a team blog before he went to espn and now covers the warriors in the league for the athletic i mean this is this is very common i think what it one of the advantages of that and in your case i see it is that you actually do have like the history right you followed this team now for a while you know, 08, I know it doesn't seem like a long time to people that have been Mavericks fans for 30 years, but you're not 30. So for about half of your life or almost half of your life, you've been a Mavericks fan. So you've been around. So you actually have that that history you can call back on. Not the same as like Jason Quick, you know, who covers Portland and has for the last 21 years, because that's a little bit different. But you at least have some of that history that you can tap into for your stories. And that that's unique. You know, I mean, you, you got to watch that finals run, you know, you got to watch, you know, the, the, the meat of 
Dirk's career. And, and even though you weren't covering it, you still, you know, you have all that stuff to tap into. So I, I like that. That's a good thing. And, and you know, it's something that uh, is it, a unique perspective, I think, at, at least uh, more recent perspective. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that I am fairly sympathetic to the the common fan that I, I was in their shoes not too long ago that I that I used to be very irrational about about some things I thought about players about the way the team's playing that, you know, when fans are going crazy about Rick Carlisle and, and you know, saying he's an idiot for doing this or that, even though objectively, you know, he's a you know top five coach in the league at, at worst. Um, I get it because I was that fan, you know, maybe eight, nine years ago. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, I also had the, the, the great fortune of, of each job I had kind of took me slowly away from fandom where it was a it was a pro- very progressive thing for me where my first I, I started out at Mavs Moneyball, which is SB Nation's team blog, where I was just a fan writing about the team. That was our entire shtick um, as I developed, as I got a credential, as I you know ended up running that side, I, I did take on some more professionalism and and aspects like that, but it, there's still a fan-facing role. Um, I went full-time at SB Nation, which uh, our entire thing at SB Nation was the, the, with that we were trying to be fans for fans. Um, you know, even for that national site, you know, we were we were trying to embrace the fan and you know the just the role and the and the whole you know the, you know just the whole passion and, and the identity that that fans have, which is is definitely different than a you know neutral sports observer kind of looking looking at a team from afar. Um, and, and then, of course, all that led to the athletics. So, you know, it's it's been a good progress. You know, I, I do think, like I said, I, I think I'm, I'm sympathetic. One thing I actually enjoy writing about is just fandom in general and, and what it's like when um when Dwayne Wade came to Ma- uh, came to Dallas last year. And, uh, you know, of course, him and him and Dirk both retiring the same year. We knew it was going to be Dirk's retirement. Wade, of course, was doing his uh, his jersey farewell uh, tour, you know, gave his jersey to uh, to Dirk. You know, we, we were talking to both players about that, what it meant. Um, and, and, and Mavs fans, you know, they kind of hated it because they, they can't stand Wade ever since those 2006 finals. And and so I, I wrote, uh, you know, it was it was almost therapeutic for me to write just about what that was like and, and you know, write about what it meant to a fan and, and why they're why it's OK to be upset about that. It might not be a rational thing to think, but but nothing about fandom is rational like right it is it is the one aspect of your life where you're allowed to be totally irrational in the way you're thinking and just yell at a tv screen or yell in a stadium at at the refs and the other team and and hate this guy for no reason you can say you hate Dwayne Wade it doesn't mean you hate him you know maybe you've latched onto some things that he's done and and think that you know hopefully most sports fans don't actually think these people they quote unquote hate are bad people they just sports hate them it's a sports hate it's a hate you know it's a very emotional emotions driven uh aspect of our lives and i think that is something that it's it's worth acknowledging and worth bringing up and so hopefully you know especially with this team because i was not far removed from from being that person i'm i'm you know it does give me a bit more perspective or or sympathy or or what have you into uh in, into the classic mavericks fan well, we're all in the, the business of fan service to a certain degree. You know, fa- fans, I think, and especially smart fans like like people who listen to and read The Athletic, they want honesty. Um, they want the inside stories that you're able to bring and all these things. So, I, you know, I think you do a pretty good job of tempering the fandom. And, you know, it's going to go away. Just just a w- fair warning. Um, that, you know, the, <laughs> the more involved in this that you are, I mean, it's going to go away. Uh, but I, I think that... Um, You've done a really good job of 
of kind of doing that fan service, the the things that people want to hear and given the back the background stories. Uh the fact that you went to Slovenia to to give more background on Luca and his and his upbringing and all of this stuff. I, I thought uh, was fantastic. One of, one of my favorite stories that's come out this season. Yeah, I thought you were going to say this year, and I was I was going to have to correct you. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't make that mistake, <laughs> buddy. I'm no rookie. All right, so oh, we've got a pro here. I, I see. That's I right. see. I, I, sh- I should have known better. <laughs> that's right. Couch everything. Um, all right, so now let's talk about the Mavs a little bit because this season, uh, you know, color me surprised. I did not think this team was going to be this good. And I think that um, there's one reason that they've been this good, and it's Luka Doncic. I did not expect this guy. Look, look, I, I've watched Luka before he came to the NBA. I watched him for four years in Europe. He is the best prospect to ever come into the NBA. Most decorated. I mean, he was playing in the second best league in the world. I don't want to hear anything about college basketball. The guys in college basketball couldn't hold a candle to the guys playing in the Euro League and the ACB. He has outlived my expectations in his second year. What is the secret? What is what has Rick Carlisle done to this guy to turn him into one of the five or six best players in the league? Yeah, I mean, has Carlisle done anything other than just say go do your thing? Clearly, he has to some to some degree. You know, it's not he's not uncoached, but it's it's Luca. I mean, at some point, like. This guy, every time you try to set expectations for him or even try to set, oh, this is what he is uh, now, you know, this is what he's going to be for the next year. And then it feels like as soon as you do that, he's already stepping up to the to the next um, next tier or next next level of expectations. So, you know, I I was as high as anyone. Um, I, you know, maybe not, I, I was as high as, uh, as anyone coming out of the draft. I, I will say that I, I was very high on him. I, I, I loved his his game, I, I loved his his uh, his pedigree that he that he was already coming in on. He was the most uh, accomplished draft prospect ever. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that you know, in just in so many ways, you know, it's it's like you know, you were saying all these things about what he did and what he accomplished, and and it feels like it should be hyperbole, and yet, um, you know, it's, he's he actually did all those things, and and then he he was capable of all those things, and I still thought he would average like fifteen five and five his rookie season. Like, like I thought that was a reasonable thing to expect from him, you know. Despite everything, I thought that would be reasonable. I thought that I thought that would make sense. Um, headed into this season, I thought that he would average, you know, maybe twenty five seven and seven, which is about what he averaged after the All Star break, um, you know, with a little bit better efficiency. And and you know now he's you know damn near averaging a thirty point triple double. So it's 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 staggering. It's it's uh it's astonishing. It 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 makes you really think about what he could do next. I, I it's hard to imagine that he could get better than this, and yet I know it it's possible. I I, I I may not it might be one of those things that that it's like, you know, another color that that we can't see with our own eyes. Like it's hard for me, me to imagine what else he could do. You know, I, I can I can put numbers in my you know, I can think about numbers that he could potentially average, but you know, I, I don't even know where to where to begin. It's like is is he gonna average what James Harden is doing uh, that that seems possible because they're similar players is he is he going to redefine what the pick and roll means to us I I, I don't know how he could do that but at the same time like I think it's possible I, I think that that there are things that 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 because he is this good right now as a 20 year old you know he has 10 years to improve and perfect and you know maybe at some point he plateaus at a, at a very very high peak 
you know, even if he plateaued right here, right now, he would be an all-time NBA player by the time he retires. So, yeah, he's on a trajectory right now to be, it's going to be like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Luka Doncic, uh, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like, that's how it looks today. Yeah. Like, he's that good. He For a second-year player to be leading the best offense in the league, and by the way, a historic offense up to this point, is insane. The best 20-year-old ever. Yeah. It defies everything we thought we knew about the NBA. The the fact that he is this good and the team has been this good around him. Like it, it just it just is befuddling. So I wanna I do wanna ask you, did you ever put down a a win total projection for this team coming into the season? Because I, I think I, I was you know you what? Know. I did. Okay. I did. And I bet it I I I would guess that it was in the mid thirties for you. I bet you were pessimistic about them. Thirty nine wins is what I had them pegged at. Okay, and I was I was pessimistic. Here, here's what I, I expected: normal growth from Luca, so a little bit better than last year. By the way, he was excellent last year. I I did not expect much out of Porzingis. They haven't gotten much out of Porzingis, but I did not expect the team to fit so perfectly around Luca. I mean, it's it, it just that, that plain and simple. It it feels like, and I've tweeted this. It feels like. They have Luca and they have Kristaps. And then they have a bunch of really good seventh men on a championship team. Not even sixth men. Just like seventh. Like if you Yeah, you're right. Yeah, if if you had like, you know, go take your championship teams and you know, I'm, I'm trying to think who would have been like the seventh man on the Warriors. The Warriors were not very deep. They were very top heavy. That that might not be yeah. the best example. But you know, you know, maybe you go maybe take like the twenty man. You know, like <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr. Is he is he maybe he's the seventh guy on the Raptors? last right. season right he's in the mix he's definitely playing for that team with the way he is yeah. right now he's playing very good this season you know he's uh he's actually he's he's shooting 38 percent on threes which is a a career high which is you know not totally shocking that a player who's who's been in a you know the, just the putrid knicks offense for as long oh, as he had God. comes to yeah. dallas and and you know clearly is a shooter uh, maybe not the highest, you know, a, a volume shooter of some sort, and, and the fact that he's finally getting good looks, and and when he when he plays with Luca, uh, he doesn't go shot hunting, which is the biggest, yeah. you know, just the biggest thing that the development that it that could have happened for him. Um, I, I think that's that's a that's a really good thing, but yeah, Tim Hardaway, you know, he is he is in that mix on that Raptors team. Delon Wright, yeah. you know, was Dwight you know, Powell is probably seventh or eighth guy. I mean, yeah, Ma- Maxi Kleba is is in that discussion. You know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe he's at at best a fifth starter on on you know. But again, if we're talking championship team, we're talking like a team that does have a lot of really good players, and that's what the Mavericks have. They have a bunch of really good players. We we talked before the season who's going to be the third best player, and I guess nominally it's it's Hardaway. I guess maybe, but you can make a case for a few other players, and I'm not even sold on on for sure being hard. You know, he's averaging the third most points. I, I don't know if that means right. he's the third most important. So, so that that's what this team is. It's just it's uh it's about seven or eight really good players around your two stars, and we'll get to the second one in a minute. Like like we're saying, but 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 it's a bunch of these really good players, and and I predicted maybe I think I ended up predicting forty two wins, and it looks like they're gonna hit fifty this year. I mean, it looks like they're a playoff lock in the Western Conference. Just just being realistic about the Western Conference, you know, if this team stays healthy, I think that you know they're gonna be a top six seed. 
it's it's i don't think it's too soon to start saying that you know by by you know we're 34 games january 1st is kind of almost halfway the breaking point yeah where you could say this is sort of how things are going to shake out i remember i remember tom ziller once uh at sb nation he was you know he was making a case for why you shouldn't start tuning tuning in on christmas day uh because you know that's the whole thing about the nba the famous thing about the nba is that a lot of people will ignore the nba until Christmas Day, and that's opening day for them because they're only casual fans. But everything's decided by Christmas Day, almost every season. There is very rarely going to be a new storyline that emerges in the second half of the season. Very rarely going to be a team that isn't already in the playoff hunt or in the top four seed that is, you know, all of a sudden going to go on a tear the second half. Uh, every once in a while you see it. I think, I think there is a... I can't even think of any great examples of a team that, you know, only in the second half of the season became the major storyline or dramatically changed who they were outside of trades, outside of, you know, maybe that random Miami team that went like seven. What was it like nine and thirty one crazy or, run that they had down? The yeah, I remember that where they, they literally inverted their first half record in, in second. half. I think it was ten and thirty one and then thirty one and ten. Something something wild like that. That was like five years ago. But again, those those don't happen very often. What team you are on Christmas Day is most likely the team you're going to be, uh, you know, April 10th. And and I feel very confident saying this is what that Mavericks team is. You know, what they are right now, a, a top six playoff seed with a with a chance to get home court advantage with a bunch of really good players around a, uh, a MVP candidate and another star. That's who they are. And I, I feel really good saying that. It's the Carlisle blueprint is to have all these like role player guys and have them outperform as a unit, like as a group. They're outperforming expectations. I mean, it's kind of just what he does. They were missing the star for a while, and now they have it. But, all right, I want to talk about Porzingis because, obviously, he needs to post up more. And uh, <laughs> Don't tell Rick that. No, I mean, he's a terrible post-up <laughs> player. And then this is, like, actually, like, it's not even worth talking about. I just needed to make that joke. But um, he's not shooting the ball particularly well. And I actually... I kind of expected him to to struggle on and off coming back. I mean, he was out for what twenty months, you know, with really not not being able to play a lot, um, and and not playing in the NBA at all, which is totally different than playing in practice or you know in training or whatever. So I'm not surprised that that he's still sort of getting his legs under him. But we're getting to the point where I think that uh, you need to start seeing the tide turn. We saw it when Luca was out with the ankle sprain. I thought Porzingis looked a lot better. What what do you attribute that to? I have a million thoughts about Porzingis. I feel like I'll try to. I'm trying to think of of, of how the about most just one or ones. two though. Like <laughs> we don't have we don't have a lot of time or save them for you know future what if, what episodes. If I, what if I spend what if I spend one second on each thought? Um, just rattle them off real quick. Yeah, so how, a million <laughs> seconds is how many? How many? Years? That, I think that I think that's still going way, way, way over. Yeah, <laughs> I I think that that Kristaps for me gets a one year. He gets an entire season. I agree that I I think that in the second half of the season, I would like to see some progression from from the things that he that he has struggled at uh, compared to the first half. I I do think that's important and a good thing to look for. But in my eyes, this entire season is about Kristaps getting back to the player he was. And it's not until season two that it's that, that it's not until the second season that I will really look at him and you know harshly judge the player he is on the court. Um, if 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 he is a player who needs to be harshly judged, 
and right. and so I, I think I think we're a ways off. So I, I'm willing to give him a lot of time. I'm willing to give him a lot of leeway because I, I, I think, like you said, 20 months away from NBA basketball, not stepping on the court for a lot of it, not being able to play, you know, uh, then then for a lot more of it playing with, you know, these like six two Mavs interns on the on the side practice court for right for uh, for, you know, 20 minutes after every practice. You know that's that's not NBA basketball. It's it's the furthest thing from NBA basketball. It's just it's not replicable. It's not a useful training. It's not a useful training exercise. You know, it just it's going to take time. It's going to take time. So, yeah. you know, uh, I I do think that that you know at, at minimum I I think that I'd like to see his three point percentage go up a little bit more. He's at thirty four percent right now. You know, it, it's it's uh you know he only had one season where he shot close to forty percent. It was it was right. that, that injury shortened season. He shot 39%, but it was only for, you know, the 40 games he played or so. Um, there is a part of me that would like to see him shoot near 40% again, just to be sure that, you know, his his jump shot looks great. Like, like obviously, he's a very confident, comfortable shooter who can get 30-foot shots, but there are people who have great-looking jump shots who never hit 40% in the league. And I do think that, you know, it's it's not necessary, but it, but it certainly would be nice if he was, you know, a, a at least above 35%, you know, well, as a, he's not- you know. He's not yeah. effective as a scorer from from basically any other level, right? Like, like he needs to hit the three because the, he needs to keep the defense honest, so that they can't just sag off of him and ruin the entire scheme. I mean, one of the reasons why this offense works as well as it does is because they're five out; they've got all this space to cut. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Seth Curry doesn't have that beautiful behind the back pass to Luca if they don't have that spacing. Right, there so, should have been a player there, except that you you are five out, like you're saying. There should have been somebody at the exactly. rim, and, and exactly. Yeah. Now, I, to, I, just I agree with that. Real quick, I want to defend Porzingis just a little bit, because while the shooting isn't there, he's never been a knockdown shooter. Like He's never been this in, incredible shooter. And while the shooting isn't where everyone would want it to be, the his rebounding is greatly improved. I mean, by far a career high in defensive rebounding percentage. By far. I mean, he's up to like 20, almost 25%. So yeah. there are, there are ways that he is, that he's improving. And and I was surprised right off the bat, just by how well he was moving around the court. So there are some encouraging signs. Yeah. It's the entire defensive side. It's, it's, he is blocking shots. You know, he's averaging a little bit more than two a game, but in general, you know, he is, he is a force down there. You know, he's a seven, three guy uh, and not a stiff. He is he is able to move around and and you know he's that's that's intimidating that's a force that is that is a player yeah. that that you have to account for I I you know the the defense still has its issues that but but I don't think Porzingis is is by any means a you know a, I think he is a positive defensive factor uh, especially rebounding especially you know rim protection I, I think that that he is someone who you can you can build a defense around I think that's a really encouraging thing he he certainly looks like that that type of player. The offense has, has been fine too. Like the, like this is the best offense in NBA history. Clearly, you know he is going to need to improve in some areas. You know, as much as the post up is a joke right now, is because of because of the Carlisle. You know, the post up, the idea of him posting up is a joke because of the Carlisle rant. It is something that they will need in the playoffs at some point. He will need to punish uh, mismatches. You're not going to get your preferred shots in the against the best defenses. So, you know, I, I would like to see him be able to do that occasionally. Right. The bigger issue, though, than scoring in the post, and I, I actually I don't know that he'll ever score in the post. Just the, the way his body, his center of gravity, yeah, yeah, his center of gravity is too but high to ever back the, people down and really push people around. Right. Bigger than scoring 
He needs to be able to play make from the post and his passing. That is the number one area that he needs to improve this summer is the passing because it would unlock so much more. Even if he could just facilitate, you know, from the high post as a post up guy, like he could post up at the elbow mid post. They could be running a lot of stuff off of him, split cuts and all the stuff that Golden State has run for years. You know, Luca, there's this there's this thing where guys want to compare Luca to Harden. Uh, because he does have the ball in his hands a lot. But Luka moves without the ball a lot more than Harden does. That offense, I mean, the, the first possession against the Lakers the other night, he gives the ball up in a DHO, runs an Iverson cut to the opposite wing, wide open for, for a three that he missed. But that is more indicative of how you know a typical possession goes rather than just a high screen and roll. So uh, if they can get the ball out of Luka's hands more, it actually makes this offense even more dangerous and potentially potent. I don't know that they're going to be better than 115 points per 100 possessions just because that's so astronomical. But there are ways that they can improve, and and that's one of them. And I think that for this team to to be in real championship contention going forward, they need Porzingis to become a better passer. Yeah, it's it's so much of this offense, the offense that Rick Carlisle loves, the one that he really adopted in the – and the uh, him and him and Jason kid thought a war of words over it, and, and Karlov was finally convinced. And that's the one they run now. It's you know with the the, the motion and the, and the flex cuts. And I, I I'm not I'm not going to talk about all the the terminology like you. I'm someone who like like I can uh, understand a foreign language, but I but I can't speak it super well. That's that's how I am with all the uh, <laughs> with all the, with all the exact terminology. You know Iverson cuts and and you know nobody uh, wants to hear that stuff anyway. Uh, yeah, so exactly. You're, you're fine. You know, nobody like, wants to hear like, that stuff. I've 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 I I conceptually understand what horns is, but you're not gonna you're not gonna enjoy basketball more because you know what a horn set is versus not that's knowing. That's one hundred percent. I agree completely. <laughs> um, all uh, right, but, but yeah, but, no. So it's, yeah, four to five passes. You need you need Porzingis to be someone who can make one of those passes that, that then springs a bucket through passes later. And at, I do agree that, that that's his next progression offensively. Okay, now let's talk about this season. Back to this season. Um, this team, I think, like we talked about, this is a playoff team, five or six seed probably. They, there are moves they could make that could push them into conversation for, for home court advantage in the, in the first round. There are guys out there that I think fit. I bring up Evan Fournier a lot. He, he's an expiring contract. That's a guy that would work really, really well as a, a secondary playmaker or a tertiary playmaker when he's out there, maybe with Tim Hardaway. Who are some guys that you are seeing as potential trade targets? Because it is trade season. We are now in the new year. It's officially it's 2020. Trade deadline coming up a little over a, a month, five weeks or so. Who are some trade targets for this team? Well, I will say I, I don't think they should trade for anyone major. And I, I also don't, I, I personally don't think that, and I don't think they will. And I want to, I, I hopefully one isn't clouding the other. Um, you know, my, my personal thoughts on, on whether they should, should make a big trade is it hopefully isn't clouding, you know, the, the idea that I also don't think they will. I, I would be perf- perfectly fine with, with someone like Andre Iguodala or, or, you know, maybe if, if the Spurs really, you know, really start tanking and, and, uh, you know, Rudy Gay shows up available. That, that's a player I, I think would be <laughs> right, interesting. Yeah, sure. You know, and and you've got it. You've got you know Courtney Lee down at the bottom of 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 this uh of 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 the roster. But I would I would say in general this um I would I would say in general this is a really young team in in the literal first year of their window. The 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 actual first year that they've been winning with a superstar who's twenty four and, and twenty. You know, I I just I don't see them rushing into the playoffs. Like like 
nobody, almost nobody on this team has even had playoff experience. I, I do think that there right. is something to be. Said I don't even think this getting... is the first year of their window. Right? I, I yeah. think that this is actually like they accidentally broke the window, peeking into the window. Exactly. And now it and, feels like yeah. they're in their window. Yeah, their, their, their youngest trade chips are Justin Jackson and Jalen Brunson, and, and neither of them are, are going to get you much of anything. Um, uh, you know, Brunson a little bit more than Jackson, of course, but but I, I would say that this is not a team that I would I would go make a big splash for or a big trade for. I just they're they're so early that they need to get this playoff experience. That does matter. Uh, that that is something that you know it, it's important to have. That it's important to kind of slowly work them into uh, you know just just an understanding of what it's like. And then, and then, you know, next season, the season after, that's that's when you start really thinking about. I know we're still young, but but you know, is this a team that we can make a jump from, you know, first round exit or maybe maybe first round upset to you know really pushing for the conference finals and even the finals? Like if if I don't I don't think there's any move out there that's realistic for them to make this year. That's realistic with where this team is right now that they could make this year. That that would that would work in that manner. So. I would, I, I would uh, highly encourage them stand pad or at most go get a veteran for deep on the bench. Uh, someone like Andre Iguodala. There's a few more names out there, like I was saying, um, but but I, I think that's where I fall on it. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that you know rushing stuff like like we're hearing Atlanta might be interested in Andre Drummond, you know stuff like that. No, just don't rush it. Be patient. I mean, this is a team that could potentially you know be the start of a dynasty. You're you're getting a guy who today looks like he might be one of the greatest to ever play in the NBA. And he's, uh, you know, 20 years old in the second year of his career. So uh, definitely take the long game on that. Uh, speaking of the long game, we went long on this podcast, but um, wanted to really give you guys an opportunity to see what the show's going to kind of be about. Get to know Tim a little bit. Cause I know he's kind of an enigma. Doesn't, doesn't really like to talk a lot. And, yeah, uh, you know, came out of my hole to record this, but I that's right. right back in. That's right. Your hovel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you got to go right back in because, you know, we need some more uh, Luca articles. We got to I got to tape, tape up some more tinfoil to the uh, to the to the windows just to make sure there's no. Uh, that's right. What is it? EFG? No EFG waves penetrating in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> we don't want any waves. We don't want any waves. I've, uh, I've anyway, re- I've but, revealed uh, enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so we're gonna be doing this uh you know every week uh, the show's gonna be be coming to you uh on the athletic app if you're a subscriber and if you're not go ahead and subscribe go to theathletic.com slash 77 minutes in heaven subscribe save some money uh support the show support tim in particular you know you can also listen to us on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts spotify whatever yeah if you guys like the show Give it a good review. Give it a five-star rating. Tim's going to get some guests on here every now and then. It's going to be a fun time. And I think that this team in particular, it's a very interesting time for this team because it is the start of something rather than jumping in in the middle or catching the tail end. Uh, It feels like this could be possibly a dynasty in the making, Tim. It could be. It could be. It's like the first first book of a really good... uh... Really good uh, series. Yeah. Well, hopefully it finishes better than Game of Thrones. That's it for this (laughs) week's show or today's show. Uh, Catch us later on with another episode of 77 Minutes in Heaven. 